the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Christ is coming back. And are you ready for his return? And perhaps more importantly, are you being about your father's business while you wait? Christ has left us here as instruments in his hands in a world that's perishing to point others to him. Well, hello and welcome to Grace to Live with Pastor Keith Crosby, Senior Pastor of Hillside Church in San Jose, California. We are so happy that you've joined us today for the program. As Pastor Keith continues with our teaching series that he has entitled The Blueprint. As always, we would encourage you to follow along with us in your Bibles if you can. On today's broadcast, we'll be picking back up in the book of 1 Thessalonians as we hear the conclusion of our Blueprint series. So if you have your Bibles, turn with us now to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And now here's Pastor Keith with today's study. We must remain motivated to serve. We don't want to be caught napping. He says, stay awake, stay on guard. Our Savior calls us to action. Let's act. He calls us to urgency. Let's be urgent. We don't want to be found asleep at the switch. As his inevitable return draws closer and closer each day, we understand that he's going to return. The coming of Christ at a time known only to God demands constant expectancy and our blessed hope motivates the believer to godly living, sacrificial service, and energetic mission. So what do we do with that? What do we do? We want to be awake. Are we awake? Well, only you know. Only you know if your antenna are up. Only you know if you're ready, willing, and able to serve him whenever and wherever and however he calls you to his service. So you might want to ask yourself the question, can my service be called sacrificial and energetic? Am I ready to get into the game? Is my guard up or my antenna out? Am I asleep or awake when it comes to the things of God? We want to, as a church family, go to the next level of ministry. We're going to invite 15,000 families here. If one half of 1% come... That's 75 families. Maybe that's a few hundred people. And maybe only a fraction stay. The 10 people that you're praying for, who knows how many will come. But if they come, will you be ready? Will we be ready? We want to extend our ministry beyond the four walls of the, or four walls, it's an octagon, but you get my drift. (laughs) You know, of this church. The many walls of this church. So let's let Christ's return be our motivation to take our ministry in San Jose and beyond to the next level. So reason number one, Christ is returning and we don't know when. Reason number two, that, that return should be our motivation. We want to be found faithful when the Savior returns. We want to be urgent. We want to be ready. And reason number three, Why should we be urgent? Why should we be in a hurry to really get into the game? We want to see people repent and receive Christ. Isn't that what we're all about? 
We believe that God commands everyone everywhere to believe the gospel by turning to him in repentance and receiving the Lord Jesus Christ. The time is near. You know, people don't like to talk about repentance. I don't know what it is about our culture. I do know what it is. It's a fallen world. Even in the church, people say, well, you don't really have to repent to believe. Yes, you do. No repentance, no salvation. I'm not talking about works. I'm talking about a change of mind that brings about a change in life. When you're turning to Christ, you're turning away from something. I remember when I was in seminary, it was popular in some seminaries, not ours, to say, well, you know, you just believe in Christ. The repentance is a work of man. And actually, repentance is a work of the Holy Spirit. And repentance is essential to salvation. How do we know? Because Jesus said so. Where does he say so? He says so in Mark 1, 14 through 15. Couldn't be more plain than this. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. And the gospel of God is, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom is at hand, repent and believe the gospel. Turn away from your old life and turn to Christ and embrace him. Put your faith in Christ. You're turning away and turning to. That's repentance. Now, there are two types of repentance. One is repentance to salvation, the turning away and turning to God. The other is a daily repentance where God, the Holy Spirit, through his word and through other believers, identifies in our lives things that need to change and we turn away from them. That's not salvation. That's what we call spiritual growth or sanctification. But there is that repentance that happens once and once only where you turn away from being your own God and turn to Jesus as your God. And that's what Jesus himself teaches. This is the message of Jesus. This is the message of the apostles. You see it in Acts. You see it in the epistles. You can't miss it. And yet some refuse to come to Christ, to turn to him from sin for repentance, for rescue, for forgiveness, for restoration, for hope, and for healing. In John 524 through 25 and 39 through 40, We have this account where Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and the Jewish leaders and he says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment but is passed from life, from death to life. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is here now when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. Now watch what he says to them. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. But it is they that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. There are people who don't want to come to Christ because he demands their surrender. That surrender is the fruit of repentance. It is the fruit of the Spirit working within them to open their eyes to their sins so they can turn away and turn to. And these legalistic, pharisaical leaders here will not do it. And I'm telling you this because of this. Your job is to present the information. The gospel is information. Salvation comes through their response to that information. You're going to share your faith with people in the days and the weeks and the months to come. We're going to share the gospel at Easter. We're going to give the good news, the good information. And there are going to be people who are not going to repent and place their faith in Christ. Turning to Christ is an act of repentance. And I just want to tell you, when that doesn't happen, it's not about you, it's about them and God. 
There is no perfect gospel presentation for you to design. All of us are imperfect people serving God imperfectly. You present the information, let God do the work. Abide in Christ, keep his word, let him do the heavy lifting. God does the saving, you do the presenting. That is our act of worship as we fulfill the Great Commission. And it sounds crazy that people don't want Christ. There are people, it's like dying of thirst in the desert and turning down water. It's like somebody starving to death and turning down food. God is offering forgiveness to everybody, everywhere, no matter who they've done, but he only grants it to those who will accept and receive it and embrace it. Those who push it away do not receive it. We want to see people to repent and receive Christ, and that is why we are urgent in what we do here. That is why we must remain urgent. We must remain vigilant. So, reason number one, Christ is returning and we don't know when and therefore that motivates us, reason number two, with a sense of urgency. It makes us hurry up and want to do ministry. It makes us want to see people repent and receive Christ. Which brings us to our fourth reason. Why the hurry? Why why the urgency? Why should we be urgent? Why should we be dedicated? Why should we be committed Christ followers and Christ worshipers? Why should we be getting in the game, pressing on with the Great Commission? What's the urgency? Reason number four. You know, and this should be indicative of our love for God and our love for other people. We do not want to see people suffer eternal punishment. We do not want to see people suffer eternal punishment. You know, there are different theories about end of life. You know, believers go to heaven and unbelievers go to hell. Some people believe that, well, we're just annihilated. But the problem is, the Bible teaches, Jesus teaches that annihilation is not true. And that a loving God is going to punish sin. Okay? If he just blinked that, why repent? Why embrace Christ? If you're just going to get, if you eat, drink, and be merry, and then poof, it's all over. But the Bible teaches in Matthew's gospel, chapter 25, verses 44 to 46, that the unbeliever, the one who refuses to become a Christ follower, faces eternal punishment. Where do we see that? Matthew 25, 44 to 46. Then they will also answer saying, and this is when he's saying to, you know, you, he's saying to the believer, you know, you ministered to your brother and sister in Christ when they were naked, when they were in prison, and you helped them receive your reward. And then he turns to the other people and said, when I was naked, you did not help me. When I was thirsty, you did not give me to drink. And they're saying, when did that happen? That's the context. So they will answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them saying, truly I say to you, you did not do it to the least one of these, you did not do it to me. Verse 46, and they will go away into eternal punishment. Eternal punishment. We should be uncomfortable with the idea of letting people go into eternal punishment. We should be committed to being instruments in the Redeemer's hands, to be used by him to present the information that they need that he wants us to give them. Now, at the end of the day, it's their call. 
But it's our responsibility. You're like lifeguards. You're like spiritual EMTs. And, you know, just like an EMT doesn't want to see somebody die, a Christian doesn't want to see anybody pass into eternal punishment. We all deserve eternal punishment, but by God's grace, some of us aren't going to get it because we have trusted Christ. But eternal punishment should motivate us to be urgent about our ministry, about this ministry, about the gospel, about fulfilling the Great Commission. In Revelation 14, 9 through 11, we read this. And another angel, a third, followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast in its image and receives the mark on his forehead or on his hand, he will also drink of the wine of God's wrath, pulled out, poured out full strength into the cup of his anger, and he will be tormented. That's not annihilated. He will be tormented with fire and sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night, these worshipers of the beast in its image and whoever receives the mark of its name. Those who love God go into eternal bliss. Those who do not, those who serve Satan, in whatever form they serve him in, go into conscious unending, unrelenting punishment. And, you know, a lot of times people say, well, I don't want somebody to die and to go into a godless eternity. There is no going into a godless eternity, right? God is everywhere present, and he's there pouring out his wrath. It isn't the devil with a pitchfork and little red tights and little horns. It's the wrath of God poured out on them in conscious, unending punishment. And we do not want to see people suffer that and as you go through the, the, the Bible, we see that. We wish it weren't so, perhaps, in a human, some human frail way, but in God's justice and timing and infinite perfections, this is what he has ordained. Eternal bliss or eternal suffering, you choose. He offers forgiveness and salvation as a gift to anyone and everyone who will take it, but those who refuse it do not receive it, and they suffer the consequences. The wrath of God, as it says in John 3.36, abides or remains on them. And that's what our statement of faith teaches. We believe that God will raise the dead bodily and judge the world, assigning the unbeliever to condemnation and eternal conscious punishment and the believer to eternal blessedness and joy in the Lord and the new heaven and the new earth to the praise of his glorious grace. I'm like, well, what's the grace in eternal punishment? Well, it's this. All of us deserve eternal punishment. Some of us receive mercy because of God's grace. Grace is receiving better than you deserve, and justice is receiving what you deserve. And we are recipients of God's grace. This fallen world would draw us away from our core responsibilities. We don't live to work. We work to live so we can serve God. And we serve God by telling people about Christ. And the deception that we so often suffer from is that we forget while we're here. And we think it's to get a good job and make a good living, to get a good education for our kids and to make them successful in this fallen world. That's not why we're here. We're here to point people to Christ, including our children, and I think Satan's greatest success is he robs us of our sense of urgency. Probably his greatest success is he's convinced most of the world 
that he doesn't exist, and some Christians that there's no such thing as hell. But there is hell. It's real. The holy angels are there, and the Lamb is there pouring out wrath on those who refuse to be forgiven, who deny Christ. Countless people perish as a result of our lack of urgency. And our hurry should be that we want to hurry up and tell as many people as we can about their need for the Savior and the hope and the help and the healing and the restoration and the rescue and the salvation that can be theirs in Jesus Christ. So, let's understand and embrace these four reasons, not just as nice theoretical things that go into our statement of faith here about Christ's return and the eternal state of the believer or the unbeliever, Let's make them real commitments that we are committed to understanding these ideas and living in light of their reality. Because this is part of our blueprint. This is what we say we believe as a church family. So we should live in light of it. How can we do that? What steps can we take starting today? Let me give you some suggestions. One, invite someone to church. Even maybe even give them a ride. If you're saying, I'm not a natural evangelist, bring him here on Easter and I'll do the evangelism. Okay? You can subcontract the deal. (laughs) Secondly, in light of Christ's return, urgently consider your present ministry in light of how you may serve him more effectively. Evaluate your ministry. Evaluate your heart for ministry and ask God to help you to see how to change and through the power of the Holy Spirit with a mind informed by the Word of God, what needs to change. Three, quickly take a good look at those whom you may have overlooked. There may be people you're passing by that you know that you didn't didn't think about inviting to church. And equip yourself to point them to Jesus. We're going to have evangelism training in the months to come. Uh, I suggest you maybe make a note to yourself. But the bottom line is, Take a good look at the people around you. I know some of you are gourmets, and so you go to places like McDonald's and Burger King. Okay? When you look at the person on the other side of the counter, that's somebody's baby girl or baby boy. And if you are their mama or their daddy, would you want them to pass into a God, into a graceless eternity? Fourth and finally, intentionally cultivate a tenderness toward the lost. You know, there are people who seem hardwired, custom-made to make us mad. Whether they're on television, whether they're in the stoplight in front of us, whether they're in the line in front of us, or whether we're related to them. And sometimes it's easy to blow people off, to stereotype them. But you and I need to cultivate a tenderness, a heartbrokenness to them. God calls us to do this. It's not easy, but difficult doesn't mean impossible. You know, my family is praying for the guy who ran over my daughter. You know, I've stood in front of his house and prayed for him. He lives a block away from my, from my daughter's place. And you know what? That's nothing. Because what did Jesus say on the cross? Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. My daughter, if she'd have died, she'd go to heaven. If he dies, I'm not so sure. And the last time I checked, there ain't no holes in my hands and feet. I haven't suffered anything. I don't want him 
to suffer a conscious, unending punishment in the fires of hell where the wrath of God is poured out on him relentlessly without hope of let up or relief. In other words, what I want you to do is to live out your faith. We need to live out our faith with urgency. And if you don't know Christ, today's the day. Hurry up and embrace him. It's not difficult. It's as easy as ABC. Acknowledge that you're a sinner. Admit that you're a sinner, that you need, that you need him. Believe that he's the only one who can save you. That's B. Confess your sin and commit your life to him. And he will take you and he will change you from the inside out and he will change your eternal destination and he will give you things that you never thought you could have like a peace that surpasses all human understanding so that you can bear up under the most difficult of circumstances. But it begins with a surrender. You turn away from being your God and you turn toward him. That's the repentance. And you embrace him. You grab hold of him. You put your faith, your trust, your confidence in him. You surrender your rights to him. You surrender your whole person to him. And you put your trust in him in a way you've trusted nobody before. Let me encourage you to do that. Because knowing about God and knowing God are two different things. And and knowing about God and knowing God puts you in two different places at the end of your life. So just think about that and respond with urgency. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that your word is true. Lord, set us apart, sanctify us, grow us, strengthen us with that truth, Lord. Help it change the way we think, define the way we live. And Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit and through the truth of your word and the hearts of your people, Give them, give us, give us all a sense of urgency. Help us to shake off any complacency we have, Lord, because Jesus is coming and we don't know when. And that motivates us, Lord, to see the lost, repent and put their faith in Christ and become Christ's followers because we don't want to see them perish. We don't want to see them suffer endlessly in the fires of hell. We want to see them know the one who loves their soul like no one has ever loved it before. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.